When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mountain West Wire football podcast, Bull Preview Edition. This could be number two or three, depending on when it's in your feed, because uh, yeah, it, it, stuff happens. We're all over the place. It's a non-linear, on-demand audio product we're releasing to the public here, Matt. So that's the best way to put it. Uh, MWR.com is the website where you can find everything we do. So if you are a fan of a, an opposing team and you're like, hey, what's this about? If you like it. You can subscribe and never listen to it, but it's okay. We're fine with that too. And it just, it just gives us a little bit extra juice, but there you go. this preview we're doing UTSA versus San Diego state. It is the uh, Frisco bowl. And let's be honest. This is take through the podcast because <laughs> we recorded this initially. I think this will be coming out uh, Monday, December 21st or maybe December 20th. 20th. Most likely maybe the 19th on Sunday. If I'm really quick editing, but I'm going to guess no, as soon as we're done, the big news, uh, the uh, good old starting court or not quarterback, excuse me, running back for the uh, 12 and one UTSA conference USA champion Roadrunners decided to, uh, I'm going pro I'm out of here. And when you have a starting player, when you have to keep players leave, it's like, uh, Matt, we got to kind of changes the, the entire tenor of the conversation. Yeah. So we're doing this again. Frisco bull. It is on Tuesday. It is obviously all the bulls are in his pain. That would be sincere McCormick. Who's out as well? Fourteen hundred rusher, fifteen touchdowns. Was he player of the year in conference USA? I don't have that information in front of me. Uh, maybe we should. But regardless, this game's four thirty Pacific, seven thirty Eastern, ESPN out in the Toyota Stadium in Frisco. Aztecs are currently two and a half point favorites. Which I should look at the swing. I believe UTSA was favored before, right? I be- last I checked, I believe UTSA was a one point favorite. This was like two or three days ago, though. So. Um, which, right before which, which would coincidentally, yeah, that would coincide with, with McCormick deciding to to move on. Um, he I, he was the championship game MVP against Western Kentucky. Okay, so I can, Ooh, so I can tell Western you that Kentucky? much. Did you watch that that bowl game versus App State WKU? Holy I did. Boy. I did watch a little bit of it. Yeah, that was amazing. That was a fun game to watch. Yeah, um, it was back and forth, and then Billy Zane or Billy Zapp, excuse me, in the second half, they just ate App State's lunch and just crushed them. So. Um, this line, I'm trying to think of the move. Yes, the movement started as two and a half for UTSA, up to two and a half. It's currently actually at the moment two for San Diego State. Okay. So that's like a four four point swing through for um Missy McCormick there. So that's a big deal. It's so that means right now, let's kind of go through a couple numbers here. Aztecs are 70% favorite to win this game. Again, or consensus spread. I believe that's what it's called. Technically, that's what I'm using here because I'm looking at pick center, but Oh boy, I'm about to sneeze here. I'm trying not to sneeze in the podcast. I'll be careful. <laughs> right, we're good. <laughs> but <laughs> so that's that's a big swing because like FPI, I'll give out FPI. We can give the other numbers later, but 61.5% chance right now for UTSA, which seems a touch high when if you're looking at Matt, like the running back, that's a big play because the second leading rusher was starting quarterback Frank Harris. They're gonna be relying on Brendan Brady, who only had 49 carries, and BJ Daniels who had 34. That's a big difference. Those two guys had not even 500 yards combined rushing. I mean, yeah, and and it's it's interesting in the sense that McCormick is 
maybe one of the the last was the, one of the last true kind of what you might call bell cow running backs anywhere in college football. You know, you're talking about a guy you know, who not only ran for almost 1,500 yards, more importantly, he was averaging 23 carries a game. It's a lot, yeah, through almost 300 under 298 for the season. Yeah, and so one of the things that you that I wonder about coming right out the gate is how much does that impact their willingness, or rather, the run pass ratio? Because, you know, with McCormick, they were, I would say, a relatively balanced offense. You know, like you know, the quarterback, Frank Harris, is is, is definitely mobile. And it, but it wasn't like they lean heavily on the running game in the same way that like, like, like you might say San Diego State does. You know, they, they still threw the ball 363 times, you know, between McCormick, Harris, and, and Brady. It was roughly a 50-50 split between them. And so, you know, you look at, for example, the, the difference in an early down rush rate between these two teams, you know, San Diego state is a little more run heavy on first and second down, you know, they're a shade under 60%, 59.4, um, which is hundred nationally. Um, whereas UTSA by contrast is at 57.3%. So they throw the ball a touch more often on those early downs, mm-hmm. but I am interested to see, you know, whether they try and stick with that same kind of you know ratio that they do, or whether they lean on Harris a little bit more, if only because McCormick, for as much of a workload as he sustained throughout the year, he also wasn't quite as prolific as he was during the COVID season back in 2020. You know, on a per carry basis, his yards per carry numbers averaged, you know, his, last year was 5.9. This year is 4.9, you know, shade under five yards per carry. Still good. But when you look at Brady in particular, even though he only had 48 carries this year, 50 carries last year, his per carry average is more or less the same. It was 4.78 a year ago. It was 4.83 this year. And so I'm, I'm almost wondering, like, well, if if I'm Jeff Trailer, if I'm that offensive staff, am I am I really going to try and fix what isn't broken, or am I just going to lean on on Brady and, and his backup BJ Daniels and just do more or less the same thing because even if they weren't necessarily explosive, you know, Brady and Daniels are still averaging over four and a half yards per carry against this San Diego state defense. I don't think they're necessarily going to shy away from what's been working all year long. It's, it's still an offense that won them 12 games this year. Totally. And so I think they would, cause he's a accurate 66. He's basically as accurate as Billy Zappi over at Western Kentucky. Yeah. 66%. Yeah. Almost 3000 yards. Not amazing, but not bad. What five interceptions and uh, shoot, his TD is what 22? I think it is 25 yeah, to five. Like, like, let's put it this so way it's, eight it's, yards it's, attempt. He's still good. He just doesn't throw a ton, like overly a lot. Yeah. Like, it's it's easy to look at, you know, the star running back and think, well, okay. So, I, I know I like to talk about available yards percentage. So, mm-hmm. for those of you who are or first, maybe first time listeners to the show, essentially what that is is the amount of yards that you would earn per drive in terms of percentage. So, if you get a touchback, you start at your own 25, you drive the ball 50 yards down to the opponent's 25 and kick a field goal. You've earned 50 of 75 available yards. So that's 66% essentially. So that hopefully that's a brief explainer that makes sense to people. So on the year, UTSA's offense is 11th nationally in terms of offensive available yards percentage earned. On average, they're earning 57.6% of yards per drive. And I don't know if that's necessarily something that you can pin on just one guy because Harris is a pretty good quarterback in his own right. Like, you know, not only did he have, you know, 
sack adjusted yardage, you know, averaged over five yards per carry, had six touchdowns on the ground. He also had 25 touchdowns through the air as well, and averaged eight yards per attempt, only had five interceptions, 66% completion rate. So he's a guy who can beat you both ways through the R, you know, through, you know, on the ground and through the air. And, you know, between him and that running game, you know, I think that San Diego State's got maybe a little something to prove, especially after, you know, they more or less got beat in the same way that I think they've been vulnerable against all year long, which are just strong passing games. And and again, this is still a defense (laughs) that ranks sixth nationally in terms of available yards percentage allowed. You know, they're they're sixth. They are only still allowing 33.7% on defense. But again, something, I think there's something for them to prove and UTSA, like we talked about with Utah State about a week and a half ago at this point, is another t- is another offense, especially that can that can hurt them in the same way. Because even without McCormick, they still have Harris, the quarterback. They still have you know Joshua Seppis. They still have Zachary Franklin, who's a first-team all-conference wide receiver. You know, this is still a team that has plenty of weapons well, that San Diego State is gonna have to prepare for. Maybe, maybe not. There, I'm looking at some more info here. Seppis may not be playing this game. Okay. I just look at it right now. I'm like, oh, let me get some more info here because this actually came out recently where um, – I don't know how recently, but I was looking up a few things. Like they have at least nine key players not practicing in their final pra- – sorry, let me rephrase that. Nine key players did not participate in practice before their final bowl, bowl – whatever, the one practice before bowl game if I could speak today. Gotcha. Nine players were not available or did not play. So you have um, guys like – I have it right here. Is behind a paywall, so I'm like, oh, let me figure out how to sneak my way in there. <laughs> I know McCormick's out. So I do the good old copy and paste the entire web page and, and drop it in Google Docs and hopefully it all shows up with pictures and everything. So they, it's COVID, a little bit of COVID issues. Again, the game's Tuesday. We're recording this Sunday night, three to two days before the game. So you have, um, let's see, they're missing nine oh, geez, I am terrible tonight. Significant contributors, um, including Tarek Woolen, defense lineman uh, Lawrence Densler, Woodmitt, Woolen's a DB, tight end Leroy Watson, linebacker Trevor Harmison, um, Joshua Sepphis, wide receiver you mentioned, Present but not participating, similar to um, McCormick. However, and you have like a, a backup safety, Jamal Sam, and a backup offensive lineman, two backup offensive linemen unavailable. And this was Sunday's practice. Okay. Um, and then also you have, um, let me get these names right here. Who is this guy? Um, um, defensive lineman Lorenzo Dantzler was asked about, like, hey, who's doing this? Puts him on Twitter. Um, officially, he's not going to play, going to continue to train for pro day. They had two guys go to uh senior bowl invites. Um, the one is one of the two guys going to the uh, senior bowl. Doesn't want to comment on behalf of Tariq, uh, Tariq there, uh, or am I reading properly? Um, oh, sorry. The, the way this written is incomplete. The, um, sorry, Dantzler didn't want to comment on Woolen, who's also going to the uh, senior bowl. So Tariq Woolen may not play that Dantzler's not playing. Um, they basically have decisions to be made. So they might be down multiple players, um, for Cephas' status, he wasn't out because of looks like pro day or skipping to which if you skip, I don't care. It's fine. Do the best for you. But he said hope will be fine by Tuesday, which could be a COVID contract tracing because what trailer said, lots of going on, including illness and protocol. Okay. So there could be some key players down, which Asics are intimately familiar with how the Utah State game in, in Mount was title. Unfortunately, they had 20 mostly backups, but still depth was a concern in that game, which we're not going to debate how that impacted or not, but you're losing 20 guys to practice. 
there's going to be some drawbacks and a uh, lack, a little bit of not playing as well as you could have. So, Cephas looks like it might be COVID issue protocol, perhaps. Like that's kind of what vagueness they're saying. But so that's something to look out for when they're losing a decent amount of key players. Okay. So that line could change even more because this was published Sunday afternoon in the San Antonio, what is it, expressnews.com. Okay. So then I have one question with that in mind. Yes. That did was a make, lot of info. Sorry. Did it make, <laughs> did it make any mention of Clarence Hicks? Um, let me do, uh, I don't believe so. Let me double check here. My command F here. Because, um, you know, because, and I, and I say that nope, because, not. because, you know, a couple of the mentioned names that you mentioned are, are key contributors on the defensive side of the ball. Nobody in offense, maybe Cephas. That's about it. Looks like obviously. So, so like you know, Dansler, who you mentioned, he was he was an honorable mention in, in all conference USA, uh, you know, all you know, all conference squads. You know, so he's a starter. Trevor Harmonson, you mentioned, is an inside linebacker starter. Hicks is basically like their version of Cameron Thomas for the for those Aztecs fans who may not be you know overly familiar with UTSA. You know, he's a guy who set the school record with sacks. You know, was and one of the he, yeah sixteen tackles for loss, and you know he's the guy that more or less spearheaded what had been you know a, a major improvement on on the defensive side of the ball, and he's not alone in that regard either. You know Charles Wiley, you know another linebacker had nine TFLs this year. Uh, you know Trumaine Bell up front had seven and a half TFLs. So while you know, losing a couple of potential starters it will probably ding them a little bit. I think it is important to note that of those names you mentioned, none of them are maybe their most important contributors, whether that's Hicks, whether that's Wiley, or whether that's a safety like Rashad Wisdom, because, sure. because all of those guys could you know ruin what the Aztecs want to do to try to rebound on offense, especially in a hurry. Because to me, I think the biggest question that the Aztecs have to answer is can they get their passing game back on track? Because we talked about it ahead of the championship game, how they didn't necessarily need like an all-conference caliber performance out of either Jordan Brookshire or Lucas Johnson. You know, but they were still an offense that in the second half of the year, you know, I threw it out there, they completed 61% of their passes. They're averaging about six and a half yards per attempt. They need to get back to that. And you know, I think because it's that, not hard. They don't their passing offense is we know is not prolific and overly potent but yeah and there and needs then to be the what time you off, need to be in that range the yeah. time off seems to have you know done a, a great deal to sort of get them a lot closer to 100 percent mm-hmm. so you know while we don't know exactly who's going to start you know uh, johnson and brookshire are listed with or obviously you know wh- whoever it is like i said they don't need to be flashy but they need to be better than they were against utah state if senior is going to have any chance in this game well yeah you can't have multiple play like a lot of self-inflicted wounds in that game, like mentioned pick six that could have happened, drop pass right off your knees, um, putting the ball in the back of your head, which may have been a backup issue who's being the blocker spot. But there are a lot of issues like dropping the punts. Like the, there's things where you can't have that happen against good teams. And UTSA is another good team who's yeah, yeah, like like, like the, on yeah, because like on, on the one hand, you know, the 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 UTSA offense versus the San Diego State defense has its own kind of strength on strength. You Man, know, pretty much everywhere you look, that'd have been fun. Oh well. But but like I said, you know Harris is a good enough quarterback to exploit some of the some of the softness that or I don't want to say softness, but some of the maybe the potential hindrances that other teams like Utah State most recently have been able to exploit. But you know, but the UTSA defense is also pretty good in its own right, even if it isn't that kind of elite defense that the Aztecs were for most of the season. 
And so, you know, the, I think the quarterback situation is going to have to resolve itself very quickly. Greg Bell is going to have to get back on track. And if he can't give them big plays, then they need to find somebody in that backfield who can. Because I, th- I thought it would be Jordan Bird ahead of the championship game. Mm-hmm. He was relatively quiet, but they need someone. Although, otherwise, yeah. this is a game that could get out of hand exactly like the championship game did. Yeah, I don't know if we got a hand because here's the thing. Like again, the running game, you just say it's we don't know. It's a big mystery now. Of are they gonna pass? They only pass 28 times a game. Maybe they're they might need to pass 35 times. I mean, but yeah. Again, you're going up against that aspect defense. Like, do you want to pass that many times against what they have in the secondary? It worked out, it's worked out for the Aggies, it worked out mostly for the Wolfpack. Yeah. I know, but yeah. you know what I mean? Like depends because and, 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 and here's here's the rub too. Like for as good as McCormick was. When you look at EPA per pass versus EPA per rush, mm-hmm. the Roadrunners are basically right around the national average. You know, they're right around zero in terms of EPA per rush, 62nd nationally. EPA per pass, though, they're 12th. Mm. Which which against an Aztec's defense, like I said, they, they still rank 11th in terms of EPA per pass allowed. So again, I think something is going to have to give there. But like I said, Harris is a good enough quarterback to make them pay in the same way that Bonner, Carson Strong, and Jake Hainer have in weeks past. Interesting. Well, yeah, maybe that'll be the thing to do, but I think they still need some sort of running game. Oh, I, 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 just, I definitely think you're right about that. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's going to be a different, there's going to be some adjustments. Like it's obviously UTSA is more prepared for this because they know who they have in quarterback, but like Essex defense of, okay, how are we going to cover this now? Like, do we need to, now that they're going to make overall adjustments, but, they can now, in my opinion, focus more on how do we attack the quarterback and passing game and find if Brendan Brady gets 95 yards, we're good with that. We still want a guy to go off like 135 and two touchdowns, like McCormick mm-hmm. possibly could, if not more. And so I think they're going to adjust their focus a little bit to figure out a scheme to quarter passing game scheme, I should say, whether it's rushing a quarterback, a different type of zone bracket, man, defense, whatever they want to do in their 3-3-5. Mm-hmm. I think they might... F- put a little more focus on there and don't let Frank Harris beat him, who is good enough to have a good game. Like he only has five picks all year. This is a good team. They're now they're going to be less. They're going to be more one dimensional. I would assume I'm, this is all purely speculation because of what we've seen. We know they're 50, 50, but when the guy who has 300, 298 of your over half your carries, 532 carries 298 to one guy, something's got to give, I think. Yeah. I don't know if I'm necessarily sold. I think they're going to come out and do exactly the same thing they've been doing all year long. And San Diego state is going to have to prove they can stop them. They might, but I would put money on San Diego state, stopping the running game with guys who have a combined like 90 care, 80 carries. I'll tell you, know what? I'll tell you what though, Cameron yes. Thomas against their, against UTSA's left tackle, Spencer Burford. Let's do it. Bring it on. That, that's going to be a must see matchup. And, and honestly, you know, Thomas was fairly quiet in the championship game too, after being really dominant down the stretch. So you know, I think he is going to have to, you know, maybe, you know, come out and have one last big game because, you know, the UTSA offensive line is a pretty solid unit all the way around. You know, there is a, it's a unit that's above average in just about everything, both, you know, traditional and advanced metrics, you know, you know, they're, you know, 13th nationally with a, a 3.7% sack rate allowed, mm-hmm. but, you know, they're, it's just, it's just one of those matchups where, you know, like if, if you're not accustomed, I mean, if you're all accustomed to following the football, wherever it goes, it's one of those things where you have to sort of, you know, 
change what you're watching because it's one of those off-ball matchups that could definitely go a long way towards determining who wins this game, whether it's in terms of like, you know, forcing a, a critical three and out or, you know, maybe forcing a turnover or something like that. I think that is more likely to happen in the trenches than it is to happen in the secondary in this game for San Diego State. Oh, yeah, that, that make, makes complete sense. So when we look at this game, who we've already kind of beat around the brush, like, oh, Greg Bell needs to do this, passing game needs to come back. Is there an area where, like, who has the edge? Like, McCormick not being there kind of ch- does change things a bit, at least on who how good it could be. Maybe the backup can go for 125. You know what I mean? Maybe that's the case. For both those two guys, the back, like, the with Harris and the two backups combined for, like, 90 yards each, or like 250 yards rushing between the three of them, which mm-hmm. who knows? Like what's an area? I'm trying to think. Like who? What? Who has the bigger edge throughout? Because quarterback play leading to UTSA, running back game towards San Diego State, but it's been iffy with Greg Bell, like you said. You got Cameron to match up Cameron Thomas, Thomas on the Aztec side going up against their left tackle. Receivers probably lean UTSA a bit. Like who has like if you're looking at one particular area, like this edge is clear. Is it just Aztec's defense might be the biggest biggest uh, differential in edge wise? I'm kind of leaning that way. Maybe quarterback toward who Aztecs start compared to UTSA, but those are probably my top two. Honestly, I think the UTSA offense is the best unit on the field. Even without McCormick? Even without McCormick. Mm, okay. They, they still might be the case. But because, uh, because again, you're you're talking like I said, you're talking about a team that is just outside the top 10 as far as their ability to move the football. And I, I'm, I don't have the points per drive. I, I thought I had that tab open. I thought I had the points per drive. But, you know, they're 13th nationally in, in terms of points per drive on offense as well. They're averaging over three points per drive in those situations. So they're basically they're, they're wedged right there. Like they're right behind Cincinnati in that regard, mm-hmm. if you want to sort of put that in context. And by comparison, while San Diego State is still you know, seventh nationally in terms of their ability to defend points per drive-wise, they're only giving yeah. up 1.3, but on offense, like the, what they've been able to do is essentially half of what UTSA has been able to do on offense per drive. Mm. The Aztecs are 104th on offensive points per drive, and they have to be better to survive against this, this Roadrunners team. And I just don't know if they have the offensive capability to do that. Like, like even without the penalties and even without the special teams miscues that they had in the conference championship game, like, let's not forget, this was a team that was living on the edge a lot throughout the regular season, won a lot of close one-score games, and, and, and UTSA is a lot closer to the Fresno States and, and Utah States that San Diego State has sort of fallen short against than, you know, maybe like a, a team like a Hawaii or something like that. Like, there's a reason this team was ranked in the top 25 for most of the year, same as the Aztecs were. Mm. yeah yeah i i still don't like the offense i keep coming back to that utsm like i don't know man you lose a guy that good like imagine like i know utah state lost his starting quarterback that was a big deal they still won so it can be done and maybe these guys are just they never happen to change because their start mccormick is so good like we don't know because like those three has like bradley has three touchdowns on 49 carries four and a half yards per 4.7 yards per carry and he had one explosive play of over 56 yards at least more than those. That's his biggest play of the year. Maybe he'll come in and do what McCormick almost does, but McCormick's that good. I just, I'm not going to lean in and just, they might be, but I can't say for sure with losing 
a 1,500-yard rusher? Like, how good's Pitt going to be without the starting quarterback? Heisman finals, can he pick, like, pick it? So, like, how's that going to work out? Like, you See, lose okay. top players? I don't know, man. I'm just not sold. They, they can prove me wrong, and maybe I'll be wrong, but that's just uh, – and a running back is easier to replicate than quarterback. I get it. So, so let me let me put it like this. Like, for as, as huge of a workload as McCormick did, there were still two running backs in Conference USA that had more 10-yard runs than he did. You know, Dwayne McBride at UAB – who, you, if you watched the BYU game last week, you understood why uh, why he was so prolific, uh, and, and Marshall's Rasheen Ali. So McCormick, like, he's not a big play guy. Like, he, he's definitely sturdy, and he knows how to chew the clock, but he wasn't, like, a home run hitter. You know, he only had 31 runs of 10, play, uh, 10, 10 or more yards. He only had five that went for more than 20. Mm. And so... That's where I that's where I look at, you know, even in his absence, like even if even if they don't necessarily turn to one guy to you know be that same kind of workhorse in the same way that McCormick was, like they don't need the running game to be flashy in order for them to succeed against the Sastex defense. No. And I think and I and I think based on what I've seen from the Aztecs defense, that if they can soften them up with the pass first. That you know, whoever whoever's in, ends up in the backfield taking up the lion's share of 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 the carries, whether that's Brady or Daniels or, or even Harris himself, that there will be enough room for them to do enough damage to keep the Aztecs at arm's length, especially if they play with a lead. Yeah, because Aztecs isn't explosive. Like if their offense, they're not going to score points. That's a so, concern. So, so I guess what now. I'm saying is like McCorm- like McCormick is definitely a loss but I don't think he's a loss in necessarily the way that you might expect that he is given what he was able to do this year. We'll just see. I just, like I said, it's going to be not as good as it normally is. That's all I can say. They're going to take a step back. Okay? Yeah. I, don't, I don't think they're going to be as good as normal, which maybe that's good enough because San Diego state is not a team that can score a ton of points. Yeah. So maybe UTSA just needs 85% UTSA offense overall. It's still pretty dang good for what they've been putting up throughout the season. Like the, well, let's guess. Big 30, 50 points. When they played the Western Kentucky, they beat Western Kentucky the first time around, 50, or twice, actually. Sorry. Mm-hmm. They beat that team is really good 52 points, 49 points. I know that's a different team. La Tech, 45 points. UTEP, 44 points. We just talked about decent team. Only 27 for Southern Miss. UAB is pretty good. They beat BYU this past week over the weekend, the bowl game, 34 points. They beat a solid Memphis team. They are close for first UNLV, but they've been like Rice, 45 0. They've scored points, man. So, if you tell me they could go from 37 to 29, they still win. Yeah, they could still win if they scored 29 points. Like let, let's put it like this. You know, I like to think in terms of like rate stats versus, versus raw stats, right? So mm-hmm. like I, all those 10-yard carries that I just talked about. Yeah. So McCormick had a 10-yard play on the ground on 10.3% of his carries this year. 10.4 if you want to round up. Uh Daniels also had a 10-yard play on 10% or 10.4% or of his runs this year so they, they basically had the exact same rate of 10 yard running plays between the two of them that's why i think for as good as mccormick is that utsa is probably fine with you know both of the backups brady and bj daniels yeah i don't know we'll see so right the overrunner is also the 49 surprisingly low i think do you agree with that i thought it might be a touch higher I thought mid fifties because UTSA can score and Aztecs they can score when needed. Like they they, they can score twenty five points. Mm-hmm. Same, but so what did the advanced numbers say in this one? Like the lines two and a half in favor of San Diego State. I'll mention that. And then you have the FEI and SP plus. 
So uh, FEI likes UTSA. Um, not by much, though. They favor the Roadrunners by 2.1. Quick question. Do any of these count for injuries? I know SP Plus does not. Is FEI? No, no. And and okay. when we talk about these you know, metrics, when we talk about these systems, it's important to remember, doesn't account for injuries. It, it, it is not without its blind spots. So it's not accounting for the fact that McCormick you know, said peace to this game either. <laughs> exactly. Um, so with that in mind, SP Plus favors the Aztecs by the slimmest of margins. Point one, right? 0.1, which is which is the slimmest margin of any bowl game that SP Plus has projected this year. So it's basically 50%. It's a tie. That's what they're saying. <laughs> it, it could be. Uh, and then um, Parker Fleming at Stats O'War on Twitter, which I would say go follow him if you aren't already. His advanced stats preview gives UTSA a 62.67% win probability with a projected margin of victory of roughly 27 to 23 do you know if it count for injuries or do you any, uh, any? No, it does not. Okay. So just keep that in mind. That's why I keep bringing it up because I know the answer, but I'm making sure everybody else knows too. Like, so without being in with the injury stuff, that's why the line overall for Vegas swing five points essentially. Yeah. So what is your projection? Like, let me, well, first I'm asking you this with McCormick out, did it change your pick or your no. decision about this? No, no. So what's your pick? What, what do you got? I got UTSA. Still? Because because if UTSA gets a lead, I don't have a lot of confidence that the Aztecs offense is going to be able to keep up. And and I real and it, and based on what I've seen from the Aztecs defense, especially when it comes to their ability to defend the pass, it's not that they're bad or that they've fallen off by a lot. But I think I've I've seen enough evidence to suggest that good passing defenses can beat this Aztecs defense. And so yeah. I think you're know, based even without McCormick. I think the Roadrunners are likely to win this game pretty comfortably. Ooh. I'm going to say 34 to 20. 34 to 20? Yeah. Wow. Aztec fans. Whew. My original pick was UTSA to win. I'm going to San Diego State to win this one. Okay. I just, the running game, I'm like, that's a big concern. Like, for how well he did, like, that's a really good player. And I could be way off base just because maybe their backups are just never got the time to play because – they have a stud and there's going to be the NFL next season. Yeah. I, I think it's going to be close. I guess I'm going to take the under for some reason, even though I thought that was close 49. I'm going to go 24, 21 San Diego state. One, one of us is going to be right. And one of us is going to be very wrong. Clearly. Wait, very the, wrong. Well, I okay, very right or very wrong. I, I'll, <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll frame that equally. Oh man. I'm like, what the, who don't put that on me. Before, Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I heard the tone of how it was coming out. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, it's got it's all good. Um, anything else to add on this game? This will be it's mid okay. Again, it's Tuesday mid afternoon. If you're on the West Coast, I guess duck out of work early because it's a four thirty Pacific tip or kick, I should say. Or, or just um, do do what a lot of people do is just have an Excel sheet ready to go. The boss just, button. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> just do something like that. Do yeah, do something like that. But just find find a way to watch this game. It'll be good. It'll be this will be one of the more like out of all the bowl games you think about. We didn't even bring this up. I should probably see how many I know I looked it up the other day. The amount of 10 win teams in FBS is like 27, 28 outside of the New York six games. And this is me just speculating and shooting stuff off. I'm not, I don't know what I'm talking about. This honestly might want to be, might be one of three of any bowl game featuring 10 win teams. I think you're right. I don't have outside, that in front of I'm me, but guessing. that sounds about right. Outside of a New Year's six game, like maybe the peach bowl has something like that. Maybe. I don't think the Alamo Bowl, Holiday Bowl, they kind of dipped. I'm trying to look real quick, but this is a 
um, if had you tested well, it wouldn't have mattered because I say they won not the not here neither, neither here nor there. But looking at the bowl games, like for the quantity of victories that are going on, I'm looking through right now. This is a the Alamo Bowl does the, the Peach Bowl yeah. does the, yeah, Peach, both of, both of the semifinals, the Fiesta Bowl, the Rose Bowl, and the Sugar Bowl. That's it. So one Peach Bowl, that's an Alamo Bowl, Peach Alamo. So basically, it. basically outside of the New Year's Six Bowl games, there's the Alamo the Bowl, and there's there. this one. Okay, too. Well, Peach Bowl is not New Year's. Oh yeah, no, Chick Fil A Bowl is that technically what it is? I guess. Uh, yeah, I'm seeing it as a Peach Bowl. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> it's a New Year's Six game. That's what I'm getting. Also, Kenny Pickett isn't playing, so that takes a muster off that game. Yes. So what we're saying is, this is like a top five bowl game, essentially. It's gonna be fun. <laughs> It's going to be good, even without the McCormick in there. But uh, that wraps up this episode here. Um, check us out, mwr.com. Go to uh, Spotify, wherever your podcast. Go check us out there. And check out the first Bowl. ball. Check out every other bowl game. And, hey, we're coming back with more podcasts. So I don't know what order you're listening to, folks, but coming up next, possibly next, or at least in our order, the Hawaii Bowl on Christmas Eve at time, as we like to say. Jokingly, of course. Ribbing, of course. Ignore your family for a couple hours. There you go.